This is an RNZ podcast. Don't read the comments as something journalists often say to each other when their work is online, because the response from the public is often harsh or even abusive and often not especially focused or even relevant. But when Simon Bridges posted a critical response on Facebook to the government's lockdown extension decision on Monday, journalists were poring over the hundreds of critical comments that prompted from his own Facebook followers. And among them, evidently, was Susie Ferguson on RNZ's Morning Report on Tuesday. Almost 15,000 have reacted with either anger or laughter. Let me just read you a couple of the comments. I'm a proud national voter, but I think you're wrong. Amazing leadership shown by Ardern. I much prefer a bit longer in level, level four to reduce the risk of going backwards later on. Another one. Simon, I'm a national supporter and I just need to take this moment to praise the way Jacinda has led us through this crazy time. I've never felt more confident of a leader. How do you think that's going? Well, there's different views online, but I can tell you, Susie, they're more than matched by the over 50,000 who personally um, came to me and signed my petition on quarantining. By the yeah, but we're talking about your Facebook I, post please, here, specifically. Susie, please, Susie you, you just asked me a question. And, and you're not answering it. I, I, think, I think I should get a bit of a response, please. Now, that wasn't the only question where Susie Ferguson cut Simon Bridges off mid-answer when she decided he wasn't actually answering her questions. But not only was Susie Ferguson reading plenty of the comments, she was reading a lot into them as well. What is the caucus reaction to your Facebook post? Do all MPs support you? Have they been in touch to say so? Yes. Every single one? Well, look, I don't go there... um... Uh, uh, going through a list or some such, I talk to my caucus colleagues very... How many of them? They're not getting uneasy? Look, I think things are a bit silly uh, with respect, Susie. Simon Bridges strenuously denied there was any plot against him and later his colleagues denied that anyone was running the numbers on a leadership challenge. But on Morning Report, Susie Ferguson was also interested in some other numbers. Why is it silly when we've got polls that have been leaked putting... National on 35%, I think that was the UMR one, and Curia uh, on 31%. Yeah, look, we, we can run through all of these things. I mean, I, I want to focus on what matters right now. Yeah, but these are, these, this is the situation. 31%, that's your own internal polling, well, Mr Bridges. Well, no, it's not. I don't, I don't know it's not. what you're talking about, frankly. You, you haven't seen any national party polls. and I, we, we, can, we can dance around all these things, Susie. I, I just... Do you, you have the support you know, of your deputy I've, leader, Paula Bennett? Sorry, what's, what's that? Do you have the support of your deputy leader, Paula Bennett? Yes. Now, that's interesting, as UMR supplies polling to the Labour Party and not to National, so Simon Bridges would be in no position to talk about that. But Susie Ferguson wasn't the only one asking Simon Bridges about challenges to his leadership last Tuesday. At the same time of the morning, Duncan Garner weighed in like this on the AM show. Um, talk of a leadership coup is coming from inside the National Party. The AM show um, understands a Mark Mitchell, Paula Bennett um, ticket or challenge um, is currently doing the numbers around the caucus. That means that the, a couple of other people are saying, um, would you support a change? Uh, the news comes um, this morning after Bridges received a bigger than usual backlash uh, for a social media post criticising the government's COVID-19 leadership. I've read this a number of times. I can't find the controversy in it. I, in fact, in many ways, I'm critical that it's too moderate. But what Duncan Garner made of Simon Bridges' statement didn't really matter much. And likewise, Mike Hosking over on News Talk ZB at the same time, who awkwardly had supposed leadership challenger Mark Mitchell on as a regular guest, along with Labour's Stuart Nash, who took the first chance he got to raise the awkward rumours. Morning, Mike. Morning, Mike. Mitch. 
Hey, yeah. Mike, Mike, can I ask about the only other story during the rounds at the moment? Which is what? It's reported that uh, MPs Mark Mitchell and Paula Bennett are planning a leadership <laughs> coup. Go. Can we get that confirmed or... <laughs> I'll tell well, after that, Mike Hosking went on to make this point about the Facebook post that kicked off the speculation in the first place. Taking Facebook and a few whiners who you don't even know who they are anyway and then trying to drum that up into a leadership spill is crap, isn't it, Mark? It is, and you're talking about a guy that worked, a commentator that worked for um, the Labour and the Greens Party that, that put up a, a speculative post last night that had no base of truth behind it and it sort of got a hold of it. And I can tell you now, Simon is completely 100% focused on doing his job. Now there, Mark Mitchell was talking about professional lobbyist and former political staffer David Cormack, who was the first to report anonymously sourced rumours on his blog. But on Tuesday morning on Twitter, he was saying there was every chance he'd actually been used by someone to unsettle Simon Bridges at an awkward time for him. Now, politicians' public statements via Facebook are absolutely there to be analysed by reporters and likewise the response they get from the audiences on the forum that those politicians have put them out on. But Mike Hosking was right that for many of those comments there would be no easy way of working out which were genuine sentiments and which might have been part of a political pile-on. And while he was at it, Mike Hosking dumped on the reporting of all this by other media. And it made the news. Now, all I'm saying is I just read that uh, Mark Mitchell and Paula Bennett are looking at leadership options. Now, Where'd you read that? Me, uh, News Hub. I can send you through the link if you yeah, like. Yeah, but no, I don't bother with them. I go to proper outlet. I mean, they, the, between them and stuff, they, they, they've decided this is a campaign. Many political reporters and writers condemned Simon Bridges this week for undermining lockdown plans, cutting across the mood of the nation and even failing to read the room, while others said his Facebook screed actually raised relevant issues. Perhaps everyone should be more questioning and look more carefully at the arguments rather than attack the messenger, Stuff's Martin Van Bainen said in an editorial for the Stuff Papers. But whether this was a legit leadership story or not for Simon Bridges, party politics and punditry is now back on, clearly, after a COVID crisis lull in what's supposed to be an election year. And Simon Bridges isn't the only party leader who's been feeling the media heat this past week and the speculation about possible electoral impact. And Simon Bridges wasn't the only party leader this past week feeling media heat and speculation about possible electoral impact. Now, the Serious Fraud Office. Is this going to make any difference to your vote come the election? Because the news is the Serious Fraud Office, rec- uh, office reckons they can do Winston Peters and tie that case up by the election. So, in other words, will they lay charges, yes or no? I mean, if they lay charges, the court case won't be done before the election, obviously, but laying charges, you would have thought would be enough to finish Winston off once and for all, or is it? The news that the Serious Fraud Office investigation into donations to the New Zealand First Party and the New Zealand First Foundation followed more bad news for the party leader, which broke just before the 6pm TV news the night before. In other breaking news, Winston Peters has lost his High Court case over the leaking of his superannuation information. Peters wanted almost half a million dollars from five current and former top bureaucrats. He accused them of what he said was a politically motivated leak to the person, uh, to the media of his pension overpayments just weeks before the 2017 election. And News Hub reporter Lisette Raymer went on to sum up what happened in that privacy case like this. 
But tonight, the judge ruling that Peters failed to prove exactly who leaked that information, as well as adding that it was perfectly proper for that group of individuals to be sharing that information between themselves under the no surprises policy. So not a cent will be paid out to Winston Peters. He had been claiming $450,000. Instead, it is the taxpayer who will be forking out in this case, with the defence expected to have sitting, be sitting at around $1 million. But these legal dramas for Winston Peters and his party have also involved big tangles with the media and media freedom advocates. At one point during the revelations about donations to the New Zealand First Party, Winston Peters appeared to say live on radio that his party had played a role in photographing two journalists who were meeting a source investigating the issue. And in the course of that privacy case, which became Peters versus Bennett and others, two of the journalists who'd received the tip-off about the overpayment of superannuation were targeted by his legal team. Winston Peters' lawyer sought to get News Hub's Lloyd Burr and Tim Murphy, the co-editor of newsroom.co.nz, to hand over diaries and notes which could have compromised the source of the story. The judge eventually ruled that that wouldn't be necessary anyway, which was good in the end for media freedom and confidentiality. But arguably, there was at least as much public interest in knowing who it was who was trying to damage Winston Peters' reputation and why during an election campaign. The full judgment from Justice Venning had some further interesting details about how the story was handled by the media. It says an unknown source made anonymous calls to reporters over three days in August 2017 and also told NewsHub that Mr Peters had lied about the overpayment. Barry Soper, the political editor of News Talk ZB, was called as an expert witness by Mr Peters' legal team, and he told the court that, in his opinion, all this was an attempt by Mr Peters' political opponents to damage his credibility and to try and cut out the middleman, meaning the New Zealand First Party, from politics. Now, Justice Venning said that this wasn't admissible as evidence in the end because it was speculative and lacked a proven factual basis. This week, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner said the case was a welcome and useful addition to case law on privacy, but while there was legitimate public interest in sorting out the facts of the overpayment, there was arguably an even greater interest in knowing who was seeking to damage Mr Peters politically during an election campaign. That's something several reporters in the media now know, but the public still doesn't know it, even after a six- or seven-figure sum of public money has been spent on the privacy case.